and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 60. I'm your host, M. With me is regular co-host, Jackson. Hello, I'm here to talk about video games. We are here in our sixth decade of doing this podcast. <laughs> yep, ten episodes a decade. How do you feel about the fact that we predate video games by about three decades? I feel proud. I feel good that I'm still able to play video games with a decent kind of reaction speed and physical dexterity. Yeah, no. But I wouldn't have expected after six decades of doing this podcast. I mean, it was. I remember the years where you were a fetus. It was hard. <laughs> I did it for a long time as a fetus. I guess yep. we did overcome that challenge. Yeah, no, if we can do that, we can do anything. Yeah, if a fetus can play video games, it can't be aborted. Uh. <laughs> I don't have anything to say to that. That's. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh, oh, I'd, yep. No. This. I've. Yeah. Sorry. I completely threw this off. Just no. It's all right. We all. We all know life begins at your first high score. <laughs> life begins at one one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. There's no high score in Mario. I don't think. Yes, there is. Is there? There's totally a score in Mario. There's. Still I know there's a score, score but is there like a high score that you're trying to beat? Uh, I mean. No, like the, only in terms of other people have done on scores that you are trying to beat. Yeah, sure, but it's not like a. It's not like when you boot up an arcade game. It's like here's the top score. Try to beat it. I don't. Th- yeah, I don't think that's in Mario. Okay, how you doing? I'm fucking terrible uh, at the moment. I'm f- like, I'm fine. I've been worse, but I'm all over the place. I've been a while without meds, so I'm sleeping crazy. Um, getting that sorted out next month. I like that when I ask you, like, when we're actually just talking as, like, friends who have conversation, I'm like, how's it going? And you're like, fine. But when I ask you for the official podcast where fine is totally a normal, decent answer, you give me the most detailed rundown of your life. Look, you know how it is. You don't need me to do that every day. Because it hasn't changed. So I say a resigned, very British, uh, fine. And then you go, God, I'm so Midwest and I hate this. Um, yep. And that is the comedy of our life, repeated forever. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, we both been in kind of a lull about playing video games, I feel like. That's not true. I mean, it is true, but I've played a lot of video games. Oh, sure. So have I. But, like, when I think about, like, oh, we play a lot of games, like, I haven't actually sat down and, like, completed much. And nope. there's a lot of things that I want to get a little deeper in before we talk about. But, at, you know, our first segment, usually us talking about video games. So, Jackson, what have you been playing? I played the popular video game reboot relaunch uh, fighting game Mortal Kombat nine not mortal kombat open brackets 2011 close brackets as monsters on wikipedia would have you believe no it's mortal kombat nine everyone knows Mo- it after mortal armageddon kombat came nine. nine yeah uh i loved it it's my i've played injustice before which is also great and i am continually confused at how this is the only fighting game approaching things like this like japan just keeps ignoring it when um like the story mode is so good. It's so good. And I know this is a cold take, but uh, that is, like, it's a correct opinion, and people were right then and they're right now. Uh, there are so many ninjas, Jackson. There are so many ninjas, and then there's cyborg ninjas. Yep. Cyborg ninjas are, like, I don't I don't know. Like, I wish Cyborg Smoke was in that, because Cyborg Smoke was the cool one, um, but 
cyborg ninjas aren't as cool as actual ninjas i can't even begin to tell you how lame you are making yourself making this complaint look the problem (laughs) is i think it's just a general problem with like mortal Kombat went to 3d but like i miss when the ninjas were all literally just palette swaps Mm -hmm. i mean i i like i prefer that uh approach to like character design uh, I, you know what? I know what my actual problem is. I don't like that Reptile's a Reptile Man. What was Reptile before? He was a green ninja. Oh, huh. Yeah, because he's just a reptile here. Yeah. Um, um, and the whole thing was he'd take off his mask and it would be like in his fatality, it'd be revealed that he was a Reptile Man. Uh, but he was like a total skin job Reptile Man. <laughs> like the ones that rule the world. Those guys. Yeah, yeah no, he, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, tapping on the head. But yeah, it was really good. Um, I'm shocked that it's still very... Like, Mortal Kombat 9 is still a very unique playing game in the the only games that do that are those, like, the NetherRealm games. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also a fighting game for human beings. Um, well, yeah, the thing is, like, as fighting games went into their, like, weird nascent, like, hibernation over the last, like, in, like, the PS2 era, uh, Mortal Kombat was still trucking, making specifically console-only games. So they got really good at making games that are meant to be played with a controller by a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just such a different approach. And I understand why uh, Mortal Kombat doesn't have any foothold in, like, the hardcore fighting game community. But I think it's a shame, because I... If you haven't played a fighting game and you're listening to this, if you go watch... Uh, if you were to play Street Fighter for 45 minutes and then watch some Street Fighter, there would be absolutely no, like, you wouldn't understand what the fuck was going on. Um, whereas if you were to play Mortal Kombat for 45 minutes, take a look at the controls, learn a couple characters, and then watch it, you'd, you'd pretty much get it. Because, like, the obfuscation between what you are doing and what is, like, possible to do isn't, a, like, that's not an infinite gap. It's very clear. You to do the super, you press the triggers. There's no bullshit execution nonsense. It's just here are the moves. Here are the couple of button presses to do them. Please enjoy the fighting. And and if oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'll I just I was just gonna say that that's uh, clearly the a more accessible and just kinder way to make a video game that isn't entrenched in its own uh, defensive, like never changing bullshit. Which is what I think of when I think of Street Fighter. Yeah, and. Uh... Like, if you don't play fighting games, the reason Mortal Kombat isn't popular is because it's not Japanese and it didn't have an arcade presence in Japan. Like, that's straight up it. Yep. Uh, And Mortal Kombat, when the original, like, three cabinets came out, was seen as, like, the also-ran midway trying to be cool by putting in all the weird, gross fatalities. And the fighting community had already settled on Street Fighter because, uh, I don't know, everyone makes a bad choice somewhere in their life, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I, look, I don't know. They they also picked melee, so I don't know what the fighting community is about. I mean, I, melee is that seems fine. I don't understand why they're not all moving on to Wii U. Like melee had a good had a great yeah, no. run. Smash Four is a better game than melee. Yeah, but for a lot know. of reasons. The the uh the uh, there <laughs> the inertia in fighting game like what game gets chosen is. It's one of the strongest, like, that's a, a thing in every, like, subsect of video games. But fighting games are still running off 90s inertia in a way that few other spaces are. I, I mean, to be fair, like, part of, 
part of Mortal Kombat's appeal is that it's the most 90s ass game possible in that everyone is a ninja. Or a cyborg. Or, or a cyborg. A cyborg ninja. Or a four-armed alien man. Yep. Yeah. Or a four-armed alien woman. That's true. That is true. I forgot that she shows up in those games. I, th- I thought she was better than that. <laughs> One of my favorite things about the game uh, as a story, um, uh, because it takes place over the course of three games, is the like cabal surrounding Shao Kahn and... like the evil group changes between every scene because someone has been betrayed and cut out and like at the start it's a bunch of humans working with this guy and eventually all the humans get replaced with uh like demons all the ninjas become cyborgs and just the (laughs) way it shows that uh an evil group will inevitably tend to a more evil and inhuman parody of itself as a series progresses is hilarious and i have to assume it's on purpose like i don't think anything about that game is not on purpose there's a fantastic line where he's like why am i st- why do ninjas brazenly appear before me and i couldn't stop laughing it's so I mean, fucking that's good. what that's what that's what media ninjas do they brazenly appear which is yeah. antithetical to like historical ninjas but that's, that's not right. that's not, why do ninjas appear before me that's not what they should be doing they're ninjas yeah. Well, I'd look, if you are a ninja that could throw a hell spear or an ice ball, I would probably brazenly appear also. Yep, but get over here, no jitsi. Oh, we have to talk about something else now. <laughs> you mean you knew it was coming and you were like bracing for it and it was still the worst thing ever? No, I actually was not expecting you to pull out Naruto because you didn't watch Naruto. <laughs> yeah, but I've been on the internet. That, uh, I guess, I guess that's fair. You have to talk about a video game now. So I've been going through this phase where I'm like, man, I don't really want to play games because I feel like I could spend my time doing something else. uh, And it's caused a lot of anxiety and frustration. But what that actually means is that when I sit down to play video games, I'm mostly playing rhythm games because for some reason those anxieties don't apply to the rhythm game playing. And I think that's because unlike most of the games I play, rhythm games are like the uh the means aren't end in and of themselves and that like i enjoy the moment to moment and i'm not trying to reach some abstract goal like i am with most games uh i think this is probably a problem with i mostly play narrative games but also like rhythm games are just good at you can play them for 15 minutes get something out of it and then get the hell out yep so the game that I wanted to talk about most, though, I want to mention, I'm still playing Theatrhythm, like, three years later, which is uh, the 3DS Final Fantasy music game, and is great. Uh, I fully recommend it. Jackson, someday you have to crack open your copy of Theatrhythm and give it a go. I cracked it open um, a month ago and was like, I'm going to try to download some of the DLC songs so I can have them in case the 3DS goes offline at some point. And then it was like, you can't unlock the store till you've completed at least five levels. And then I turned it off. You should you should play some... You're at the point where you could play I'm, some theater. Though. Yeah, no. like I've, I've heard the Final Fantasy soundtracks. I guess there's 12 and 10. Um, and 1 and 2 and 3 and 5. Uh, yeah, but I've heard... like I know enough about 1 to 3 that I'm not like worried about those songs. Um, I mean, they're songs, so like, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know, like, I don't think it matters if you don't know them. I don't think it matters, but the fact that I played six, like, not knowing those, like, those songs in that game are interlinked in a way that they wouldn't have been if they were just jams from a rhythm game first. Oh, sure, but let's be real, we played the games with the best soundtracks. Yeah, no, that that, that was my point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, there's some stuff in nine that I wouldn't want you to spoil, so you should wait until you finish that. But at that point, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, you'll have some questions if you stumble across a few songs from that. I'm game. sure they have titles, but you've also been playing. I've been playing Hatsune Miku Project Diva Future Tone, which is a PS4 game. It is a port of an arcade game called Hatsune Miku Project Diva Arcade. Um, and the, uh, the PS4 version isn't a straight port of the arcade version. Uh, there's another PS4 Miku game that's, I think, like Project Diva F or so, No, it's, it's X. I think it's Project Diva X because F was, uh, the PS3 versions. But, um, the, if you don't know, Hatsune Miku is a Vocaloid. A Vocaloid is a music software program that allows you to like let the robot lady sing whatever words you put into it uh which works very well in japanese but not very well in any other language so that's why vocaloids mostly sing in japanese um and uh hatsune miku became really popular and her and her friends who are all different vocaloid programs with unique voices uh are now have like for the past decade plus have had a bunch of merchandise and Hatsune Miku does tours where she's like a hologram in front of a live band singing songs and uh, part of the popularity is that the fan community makes a lot of the songs and they just get licensed to be put in the games and stuff so there's very little like actual uh, expenditure on the part of like a music studio to get these to get these songs made outside of you have to program the music video I guess Um, and uh Otherwise, it's like a four, it's like a, the actual arcade game has four directional buttons, like big giant buttons. Um, they might actually just have Xbox symbol or, uh, PlayStation symbols on them. Um, I've never seen one in the wild, but I think that might be true, where it's just like X, circle, triangle, square. And then there's like a touchpad, uh, that, that you can use the touchpad on the PS4 controller or you can use the triggers. But, um, you know, uh, the symbols appear, you press the button. The thing that I like about, uh, uh, Project Diva Future Tone is because it's a straight port of the arcade game. It's not uh, a lot of the uh, home console versions have like a progression where you play like three songs and you unlock a new set of three songs. And there's like Hatsune Miku's like a virtual pet and you give her food and gifts and she decorates a room and kind of hangs out with her friends and does all that stuff. And all of that's gone here. It is just a giant list of songs. Uh, there's like 200 and you buy them in packs of 100 and they're each one's $30. Uh, and the only progression is you gain like currency by completing songs and that allows you to buy outfits for Miku and her friends to, that will show up in the videos, but uh, that's it. Like, there's a photo mode, I guess, and th- there's nothing else. Like, it's the most stripped-down thing, so it's easy to just boot up my PS4, play three songs, put my PS4 back to sleep, and I'm in and out in, like, 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the length of the songs, and that's a great time. Uh, I'm doing the thing I always do, where I play through every song on easy, and then I play through them all again on medium, and then I'll play through them all again on hard, which is the best way to make your rhythm game last forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's just that's always how I've been. Um because the the secret of all rhythm games is that easy sometimes is harder than medium because they strip out so many notes that you can't play to the beat. Um and they strip if you go out the... so many notes and they slow the track down. So like uh um... It depends on the game. The track is not slowed down in these games, but not the um uh like the actual audio track yeah yeah no but like the speed at which the symbols like fly into the screen is like a user controlled option that's independent of that stuff and it's the same speed regardless of difficulty that fucks Um, me up every time in every video game (laughs) yeah no that's like a guitar hero thing um 
Uh, and so, uh, you don't really have to worry about that stuff, but, uh, if you start on like medium and then you go back to easy, it's actually really hard to adjust to. And it's very frustrating. So I always play through easy first, just so I have like the sim, the symbols on the game that show that I played through every song on easy. And then I'll just move forward. It's also a great way to like soak up some currency early. And then when I play through on medium, I'll be able to buy everyone's default outfits for their music videos. Uh, and that's great. <laughs> Look, I have a, I have a, I have a process it works i use it on every one of these types of games i know but it's hilarious that you began this whole um little bit here by saying what was great about this game is how it doesn't have a progression system and how i don't want to play games but i'm worried about the progression i'm just playing them and you have a whole system sure but my system is i'm going to play this every couple days 15 minutes at a time and i will probably play it for 18 months like i'm i'm not saying it's like a bad system or it speaks ill of the game i'm saying that i you cannot help yourself this is just That's how you'll true. play games forever. Oh yeah, rhythm games are good in, uh, especially in like uh, a pose. I don't know. Like I, I feel like I'm definitely more clued into the Japanese style of rhythm game, where it's all about like really precise presses. Um, in a world where Guitar Hero and Rock Band came back and nobody buys them, I'm glad that this genre still exists and is marginally being supported, even if it's just on the back of Miku. Uh, I bought Guitar Hero. The new one? Yeah. Oh, have you played it? Yeah. Is it good? It's fine. Uh, I, I don't actually, think you ever told me you bought this. When did you buy this? This was like over over Christmas when it was like about 10 quid. Uh, okay. I don't I think we've ever talked about this. <laughs> huh. Have I not brought it up? I have it on the Xbox One. Oh, okay. Sure. It was probably cheaper there, I assume. Uh, much. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to shock you, but uh, Xbox One copies of Guitar Hero Live were free. A game nobody wants for a system nobody wants. That checks out. Yeah, no, that's why I have it. Uh, the thing that is strange about that, just to pivot to Guitar Hero, is that uh, by doing... It's too hard. It's too hard, and it's too difficult to really enjoy the difficulty. Like, uh, Guitar Hero's difficulty has always been very specific, always been about notes. And I'm going to ask I'm going to ask a really dumb question. This The changes, they went from a five-button guitar to a three-on-top-of-three, like, six-button yes. thing, right? Yes. Okay. So they have um, two rows of three buttons, which means that the difficulty now, instead of being about solos and notes, is almost all about difficult chords and changing from one chord shape to another chord shape and moving uh, a three finger press to a two finger press to a one finger bar back and forth and then a solo. But like, it's more like playing a real guitar to the point where I should like, I just should just play a real guitar. It's difficult in the same way. Uh, I would have to get over the same hump. Um, Rocksmith. Rocksmith. Suckbox. I mean, people like Rocksmith, and it's, like, actually supported still, and uh, from all, what I can tell, if you actually want to play a guitar for realsies and have a video game to help support you, that is the way to go. Like, that's a PC thing now, isn't it? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, no, they have pretty much turned that into just uh, software they support. It's very cheap. You plug your MIDI controller in, and mm-hmm. it works. Um, and that that's my basic opinion on uh, Guitar Hero Live. I think it's a shame because it's really cool in many lots of ways. Um, I th- I don't like the difficulty because uh, I find normal way too slow. Hard is fine. Like hard is usually what I play on, but I struggle to like they leave out too many notes and I want the notes in there. I oh, just that's don't a shame. like. I want the version of that that is all of the notes, but not all the fucking chord nonsense. I just want old Guitar Hero, clearly. <laughs> yeah, um, no. 
Uh, maybe Which you I, should play Rock Band 4. You probably I, shouldn't. I No, because then I'd have to buy Rock Band 4, a Rock Band yep. 4 controller. A ro- I, I looked into maybe doing this, but the part where I said fuck this was when I realized that I couldn't go and import my songs from any of the other games because the time on that has ended. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm yeah. So, like, without that, that's never happening. You know, let, these, so, let this genre die again, I guess. Yeah, I'm, uh, I just need to let it go. The time has I passed. I mean, someday you'll get a Switch and you can import Taiko no Tatsujin and you can play the actual good rhythm game. Yep. The time where I would play rock band drums and get annoyed at them because I was bad at them uh, has passed. Really? Uh, when you're a drummer, you do not... Like, okay. <laughs> so Okay, so explain to me in a world in which Alex Navarro exists, your statement you're about to make is true. Uh, Alex Navarro had a better drum kit than me. Okay. Uh, the fucking foot pedal is the worst thing on earth. So in Rock Band came out in the UK, only Rock Band 2? No, Rock Band 1 happened really late, and then Rock Band 2 happened like uh, six months later. Mm-hmm. Um, and only the Rock Band 1 drum kit was available. We never had the up- updated equipment. We only oh, no. had Rock Band 1 equipment. So I played the like rock rock band 2 is my era and i was playing it on the one kit and it's awful and i hate it and it's so fucking bad to the point where when i got an electric drum kit i almost went down the road of getting the midi converter yeah um but i ended up just not not playing rock band <laughs> was yeah, my no, solution that's, that's the right answer uh but yeah so it's and also when you play drums um you are the rhythm when you're a drummer you no, are the thing. You are the rhythm. You are the music. <laughs> but no, when you're in a band, like everyone is following you. <laughs> what was that like snidely whiplash laugh that you just gave me? You trying to dunk on me for what I said when I was explaining something that made perfect sense. <laughs> no, it did. It was just a fun thing you just said. I'm I'm not dunk. I'm not dunking on it because it was bad. I was pointing it out because I thought it was especially whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can be snide sometimes. It's within me. Okay. Okay, but um, yeah. So like, you are the 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 there. The band is following you. Uh, you're what sets the tempo, and it's very strange to be playing drums to something that doesn't care about that. Like, uh, I've played the backing track before, and it's fine. Uh, in the same way, the rock band is fine. Like, I was, I could play it on expert and do better than most people because I was a drummer. But it didn't. When I didn't get a hundred percent, it was very unsatisfying. And it just doesn't actually feel like drumming does. Um, so that's that's my rock band drumming take. Okay. But I guess uh, I was technically good at it. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, your complaint is that you didn't get 100%, which I think is already probably the wrong mindset to play <laughs> one of those games to. Yeah, no. It's it's a game for people that can't play the things to get the feeling of playing like them. And with drums, like, uh, like teach people the basics of getting into that. Also, it's music. Like the slop is part of the like a part of the appeal. Otherwise, you just have robots play all the songs. Well, that, that's my point. I think the rock band doesn't like allow for the slop that comes from uh, just okay. randomly jamming. Hmm. Anyway, that was the rhythm game segment, I guess. Unless you also yeah, want no. to talk about Sound Dodger. No, because now we've this has been the longest "What have we been playing?" segment in the history of this podcast. Oh, I guess that's true. So we should actually move on to segment two.
for segment this month. We didn't have many ideas, so it came to me. It fell to me to come up with an idea. And it's less of a full-on discussion to- topic than a loose concept that we're going to kind of uh, bounce off of and talk about something interesting, as is the goal in these segments. Uh, and what I wanted to talk about today was uh, after playing Katamari and uh, lots of MK as well, uh, I wanted to think about the ways in which games frame very mundane or regular and repeated interactions or like frame the part that is the video game in order to make the video game more fun like mk story mode and uh the katamari sequels show very wildly different approaches uh to this uh, like idea um so i just wanted to that was just my idea and uh, what i wanted to talk about I know you said that you had you had a like a more concrete like response to this, so I wanted to throw to you first. Well, I wanted you to explain specifically in terms of uh, we love Katamari. That's the sequel, right? Yeah, I was I was thrown off because I was saving that for the Katamari segment. That's but I guess I can get into it now. Not like just talk about this specifically and so, what that game does because yeah. it does something very different from what Katamari does. So, so the, how I came to this idea was that the Katamari levels are Katamari levels uh, are Katamari levels. Um, and there are nuances between the titles, which we'll get into later. But specifically, We Love Katamari, the second game, you do them by walking up to someone in a field and they say, hello, I'm a massive fan of the king. Can you do this for me? And then you do that for them. It's all favors for these people or a dog or a cat or a swan who's trapped in a lake and they want you to roll underwater. Uh, and it just gives the levels, which are functionally just Katamari levels with... Um, perhaps a gimmick with perhaps a mechanic here and there but it gives the interactions that you do so much more uh, like warmth because you have been asked to do this by one person and you are like performing a task for them in a and it, it just feels uh, like that context adds so much to the experience that when it is taken away in future sequels it feels so bare and empty and you just see the treadmill as the most depressing thing how did this happen to this game oh no uh and i i I wanted to talk about that like i know the basic answer is story modes are this all the time anyway but i wanted to be a little more specific than that i guess and uh, the katamari thing was where i started thinking about that so the thing that this immediately made me think of is worth pointing out uh i mean we'll talk about this more in the next segment but katamari as a franchise is not a narrative game even though they have narratives right yes it is a game about the mechanics of rolling a ball into shit and collecting it yes um and i what i this made me think of instantly and i could not get off of it is like the post braid syndrome um in which if you don't know braid was a puzzle platformer from 2008 2009 do you remember off the top of your head? 2008, because it was the summer of Arcade. Right. Um, made by Jonathan Blow. Uh, who blows? But um, <laughs> in it, you are, like, it is ostensibly like a riff on Mario-esque platformers, but it quickly devolves into, or evolves into more puzzle solving through the main ability to rewind and or manipulate time as the game goes on. Uh, but that's really, that's backed up by like theming in which the game is very much about like a character's mind space obsessing over like past actions and regrets and wishes to redo aspects of their life that extend to the actual narrative to where like 
uh, spoilers for a game that's almost 10 years old now. Oh my God, we're all going to die someday. Uh, <laughs> but the actual end of that game is you playing this one event forwards and backwards and getting radically different contexts every each time to the, where like it is expressed to you in the course of that, in that final level that like in some ways the entire game has been like in reverse order. Uh, because of the sequence of events that the game ends up expressing to you. Um, it's not worth getting into particulars. Uh, play Braid if you haven't, I guess, or don't, whatever. But the thing that happened is in the fallout of that game being a huge success, there were about four years of puzzle platformers or platformers in general that all had very deep stories, but they didn't do the thing where Kat the Katamari does or the Braid does, where you connect the mechanical thing, which is jump in Braid's case or these games' cases, like jumping some puzzle solving with like a unique mechanic with the actual story content, which was which usually meant it was like a cute platformer that secretly had a very dark story about mental health. Uh, there are dozens of these. It's not worth pointing out anyone in particular. This is like a whole swath of games uh, that nobody played or too many people played and then they stopped making them because no one would buy them anymore. Uh, like they literally just salted the earth on this entire genre for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah they did. Uh, but that stuff is so important to get your theming and mechanics right. Like you think of... Uh, all sorts of games where people talk about the Ludo narrative dissonance, but all that is, is you wrote the wrong story for the game that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, or you wanted, you, you knew how to make game X that is popular and you wanted to just hijack whatever story you were into on top of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and like some of this is the fault of people who write game stories and people who make games are often two different people with two different aims um, and might do work at radically different times on said game. Yeah. Uh, and so you just end up having to work with what you got. But uh, it's one of those things that I actually like people talk about like dissonance in big AAA games. But I find that especially with these post braid games, that is where that stuff actually became uh, re uh, prevalent to the point where, like I said, the whole genre basically ended up collapsing for a long time. It, it's not until games like uh, like uh, Inside this year that I feel like someone made the shot took the shot and like made another one of those that was actually good and supported itself in the way that those games are supposed to um the swapper I mean, was another one that did that really well but like uh, there's they've been few and far between in the last five years mm -hmm. like uh i know you say they've gone away but like i don't know how how long ago was ori like you're still mad about ori <laughs> yeah no i know um like they still exist, but they are definitely changing. But uh, I mean, also the, sec the, sec the secret of Ori is that Ori sold itself to people not on the basis of its story, but on the basis of it had all of the art. That's true. I guess the w even though it ha was one of those, because it didn't need to sell itself like that, like the yeah, no, it definitely... bamboozled people by being beautiful, and it's a beautiful game, and the platforming parts are pretty decent. But man, does it have the most like incongruous. We are taking all these cute characters and we're going to make this depressing story just because we wanted to tell a depressing story over our platformer game. Uh, and that's a bummer. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it is possible to do the thing where your story is seemingly completely irrelevant. And like I like you talking about that had me thinking about this from the other angle, which is Ace Combat. Um where the story of the game we did an episode on six but it's true of all the ps2 ones uh which i intend to play one day uh the story of the game is like a thing on the ground in the war that you are participating in 
that mm. does not necessarily connect with your missions all the time but sometimes it does it's actually very similar to like katamari's cutaway to the family in, her, in um in the first game yeah which it's a weird thing to think about but they're totally functionally the same thing except that so, uh, ace combat tries to be like builds to a more emotional war is bad climax yeah, the thing the thing that Katamari does that Ace Combat does, like in very different ways, is that the narrative and the mechanics seem disparate, but then end up uniting in a way that strengthens both. Yep. Uh, and that's the thing that like these games don't like when you silo them off uh, to that degree, then you get that that disconnect where you're like these things don't have anything to do with each other. Why did you put this stuff in this video game? But with Ace Combat, yeah, like it seems like it's totally irrelevant, just cutscenes. But those cutscenes end up giving a lot of context and uh, shades of gray to what would otherwise be just a straightforward line up the target, shoot the other plane down, rinse repeat until the game is over again. Yeah, that, um, that yeah, that's my point. Yeah, uh, and Katamari does that too. Like Katamari could be an arcade game, and it would still be fun and still be really good. But the framing device of its story gives it a lot of context that it wouldn't otherwise have, and that helps enrich both like the world and your experience playing it. And I'm trying to think of more games that do like that kind of like the unrelated cutaway narr- framing narrative really well. I mean, um, we could sit here and like list games all day, but I don't think that's really necessary. Yeah, no, but I, 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 I don't think it's like a big trend. Like there are some that uh, pop up and do that right, but there aren't very many. Like it's, it's never. Unlike with the braid situation, it never hit a point where someone did it and then everyone was like, "That do that." Uh, let's please point out as part of this the last narrative Mario game, Mario Galaxy oh it's so fucking good it's the best example of this it is yeah. one of my favorite games it like infuses the entire game like so you are on uh rosalina's uh like under where whatever the hub world is it's some asteroid type thing she's in her home anyway the point is uh there's a, a storybook in that game if you haven't played it which tells the incredibly sad childhood a uh, childlike uh story of rosalina and the uh, what are they called the Lumas. The Lumas. I was going to say the Lums. The, lo- the Lumas. Uh, there is t- a Luma named Lum in Mario Galaxy 2. That's probably why you thought that. I don't think it is. I think I'm just dumb. Okay. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's a very like short and uh, sad framing story that is just about why these characters are where they are. And it's so much more than Mario ever fucking does, and it infuses the whole game, as well as, like, the color palette. Uh, like, the fact that that game is set at night with um, stars flying about and you can, like, run around this hub world is so different to the sterile you're on Mario's face going through a level select of Galaxy 2. God, I fucking hate Galaxy 2, even though it's a good game. Um, and it, like, infuses the whole game with this sense of, like, childhood melancholy that extends to the levels, even if you had copied those levels directly and put them in galaxy 2 they would be identical and they wouldn't have that uh, but because they are in the same game with this framing story and tone uh they like do uh retain something really warm and like this connective tissue of tone and i, I love it so much god i love it so much yep uh and if you don't want to go play a wii or wii u game uh you can play the indie version of mario galaxy which is gravity ghost which also does this very well in kind of a similar way they have very similar games. I love them yeah, both. Yeah, no, I mean, Gravity Ghost is explicitly meant to be like a riff on the ideas of Mario Galaxy, just in 2D. So mm-hmm. it's really yeah. good at that. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we're good. Like, yeah. we, we've suggested some games people should play. So, you know, 
go do that. If if talking about Hatsune Miku and uh, Mortal Kombat was not enough for you. It's never enough. What if Hatsune Miku was in Mortal Kombat? Be the fucking best game ever made. Yeah, I know it would clearly be the best game ever made. <laughs> what fighting game would host Hatsune Miku first of all of the fighting games? The thing is, if it was Mortal Kombat and Japan just let Netherrealm, you know, <laughs> to do it, it'll be great. <laughs> Yeah, if, no, I know. If Hatsune Miku was in uh, a like fighting game that was the full-on anime or horny game, which it, you know you know it would be, it'd be. I terrible. just like what franchise would like. There's no pre-existing anime fighter that would host Hatsune Miku. I feel like. No, I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about fighting games. Like, that's probably she probably could show up in that um, one that was all the visual novel girls. Does Sega have a fighting game franchise? Virtua Fighter. Does Sega have a fighting game <laughs> franchise? I just wanted to make you sad. <laughs> no, I know. I don't want to respond to that. I know you love me. I wanna word you up into my life. Let's roll up to be a single star in the sky. I hear you calling me. I wanna word you up into my life. Let's love up to make a single star. Our game club this month is Katamari Damacy, uh, published by Namco for the PlayStation 2. It came out in Japan and America in 2004. It never came out in Europe. Uh, thankfully, wah, wah. if you live in Europe, you can get it on the North American PSN uh, for PS3. Uh, or, you know, uh, emulator. Like, PS2 emulators are solid enough these days. Um it was developed by Keita Takahashi, who was a part of Namco's, like, Nintendo funds, like, a design school called DigiPen, like, really famously, and Namco had one called the Namco Digital Hollywood Game Laboratory, which is maybe the most cynical possible name for a game design school I could think of. Uh, of course, of course, that's where Keita Takahashi comes from. Yes, uh, and he had, like, Keita Takahashi had, like, a degree in, like, sculpture, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, had this design for a game uh, that was inspired by this Namco game that never came out. Uh, I didn't get the name, but whatever. It, it was, like, he, there was this image of this girl hanging from, like, a wire, like, a uh, power line. And he was like, oh, so many games are about, like, the fantastical and uh, these big sci-fi violent adventures. And I want to make a game that's about the mundane, but just slightly tweaked to be weird. Um, and thus, Katamari Damacy is born. If you don't know, Katamari Damacy is a game in which the king of all cosmos, a giant man uh, in with a huge head and a bigger codpiece, goes on an intergalactic bender and destroys all of the stars in the sky. Um and then he is very uh, upset, sad about that because everyone's going to hate him. And so he gets you, his tiny, tiny, tiny son, who is like three centimeters big, to go collect enough objects off of Earth, which is where he landed, to go and rebuild the objects in the sky by rolling them up in your ball, uh, which is called a katamari. 
And so the game is the prince on earth going through these environments that increasingly get large where like you first start, you're like on top of a table with the Katamari and you push it with, uh, you use both sticks to like, if you press both forward, you go forward. And if you press one back, like if you press the left one back and the right one forward, you will turn to the left. Uh, and so they're very like dual stick tank controls. If you've ever played like a battle zone or a game like that, um, and you roll things up until you hit hit a goal like the levels are usually timed it's like hit like one meter in size in 10 minutes and so you have to roll you can only roll things up that are slightly bigger or within the same size of the katamari like if they're too big you'll bounce off uh and you just grow and grow and grow until you are rolling up uh everything everything uh everything yep um so that's Katamari. Um, worth noting that uh, it was made on a very small budget, uh, with, uh, like under one million by like ten people, uh, and came out in Japan. And they're like, "We'll." S-. It came out in Japan at like a third of the price, and they'll be like, "We'll see if we're going to release this in America." And they like premiered at Tokyo Game Show, and there was like a huge uh, Western press campaign. Basically, they were like, "This game is awesome. You need to bring it out here." And so they did at like half price. It was like a budget title. And went on to become a huge seller and spawn a bunch of sequels that uh, Jackson will be able to talk about because Jackson has played them. Jackson, that's basically all the factual information about Katamari Damacy. Tell me about playing Katamari Damacy. Playing Katamari Damacy is the best thing in video games that I've done in a month. I don't know. Like, I hadn't... That was too hyperbolic and then I walked it back. It's great, though. I... Um... Hadn't I, like it's a series I've been aware of. I'd played some of the 360 one when I was younger because that was the console I had. Uh, but I hadn't really sat down and played through a Katamari game until last week when I played through three of them. And the uh, like feeling that it gives me is uh, really um, interesting <laughs> because like you start out at like four centimeters big and eventually roll enough things up like you roll some uh you know some lipstick up and then some like poker chips and what have you and then eventually you're rolling up people then eventually you're rolling up buildings uh and that progression of scale is something that like that, that it is a feeling that few other games can actually do or if they do it's like um between video games and as like approaches and um ideas change uh like i made a tweet the other week about how it's a similar feeling to when you go into zelda 2 and the entire map of zelda 1 is in zelda 2 at a like a much smaller scale but kanamari is just a game about that one feeling constantly you roll around one area you become big enough to leave it and then you look back at the area and it's tiny you can barely fit in there anymore because you've eclipsed it but it's still there and you still know it's there and you have experience with its like intricacies but it's nothing now and i think that that progression of like forward progression of increase in size and how that changes your relationship to space is one of um the most interesting things about katamari and one of my favorite things uh, I like it a lot. It is a good thing to play. It makes me all super existential. The first game makes me far more existential than any of the others because uh, it's the only one that's really concerned with that idea as its main focus. It doesn't have any mechanics that it adds to that. It uh, it doesn't have a world that um, like fills itself with nonsense by the end. Uh, even though that's like when you get to the final level and um, you're in you're like a 500 meter big katamari there's like you know godzillas everywhere and you're rolling them up um, but there's still an emptiness to it <laughs> 
when you get big enough that is very sad that the other games just don't have because you you know they fill every single leveling up stage with enough uh nonsense for you to actually roll up uh yeah one of the things um like in the design of this game is because they have to animate every object that you're going to roll up and often you roll up hundreds of objects uh the game has a very simplistic art style where everything is very low poly and because the world is populated by things specifically for you to roll them up there's like a very sparse design where like there's a lot of stuff around but once you roll it all up there's not much there because the only things there are things to roll up uh and it it leaves to like this like really unique uh very like soft pastel modernism design to the game um but also allows it to have these spaces where like the act of a katamari going through is like both joyous because rolling stuff up is very fun and you get to collect things and there's even like a gallery of all the objects you've collected that have like uh flavor text about all of them and just like they're like items in an rpg but like written in the tone of katamari which means they're all pretty whimsical uh there's a twitter account if you don't know that is uh well, i'll link it in the show notes but it just lists the descriptions of all the katamari objects uh it's so good and uh it is great uh please read some of those they're very charming but um it's still also like a natural disaster that is like leveling cities by the end. Like you are lifting entire small islands out of the sea and adding them to your big Katamari. Um, and part of that is like that all ties into the story, which is, you know, after King of all cosmos destroyed all of the cosmos, uh, you have to fix all this, but like, there's like a small, like ground story, much like we talked about in Ace combat where it's like, there's this family, uh, called the Hoshinos and there's like a, a small like daughter and a son and this dad who's an astronaut and the mother and the dad can't go to space even though he's supposed to go to space because there's no more moon to go to because the king of all cosmos destroyed it and uh as you are rolling through town through like the levels of the game uh there's like the story of they're going to see their dad as he takes off to space but then the flight is canceled because there's no more moon but here comes the katamari that the daughter can like sense uh as you are slowly restoring the cosmos and so the daughter's like uh, I can feel the cosmos after all every level where you like restore the constellations, but like there's a sense that, oh, you're going to be able to fix everything and get her dad into space. But in actuality, by the final time you build the moon, you've rolled them up and their house and the spaceship and the city in which they live. It's all going yep. into the Katamari that makes the moon. So like you, you achieve the goals that they want and they don't seem bummed about it. Like everyone seems pretty happy about the Katamari kind of, but you have like devastated all these people and transmuted them into the moon. So you're left with like an earth that is like bereft of life if you think about it. But the game like celebrates the absurdity of these things where like the only way to save the moon to get these people to the moon is to make these people into the new moon. Um, yep. And that sort of whimsy kind of uh, underlies the entirety of the game. Uh, for sure. Also, because of the way the game is and because it's a really small game you'd play the same levels over and over again starting in different points inter intersecting into different areas uh, as you like start them and end them in different sizes but you go through uh, the same maps multiple times mm -hmm. 
which which means you will roll up a map and completely leave it bereft of anything and then you just come back to the same place and you roll it up again and there's like slightly different object placement this time and slightly different starting placement but it's the same town and everything's back to normal like uh you you said the two truths of katamari uh with the like the prince is going to roll everything up but uh, also nothing is going to change and the, like those two truths are never in conflict in the game and i i thought that was like a very like that's definitely the it's uh, uh the way it approaches its ludicrousness yeah there's like a there's a sense of like peacefulness and like uh, i don't i don't know the word i want like naturalness to everything where like everything feels as it should yeah be. nothing feels disharmonious except the king who constantly berates you for being small and inadequate and the awful timer on the levels where like at 30 seconds in it just starts alarming at you and is maybe one of the worst noises in all of video games I'm just going to play it during the, fir- the final 30 seconds of this podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> of every podcast. I'm editing it into your uh, podcast app. Oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> of every Hatsune Miku song. <laughs> oh, why would you? Why do you hate me? <laughs> I don't know. It's just so cruel. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, there are 20 levels in the game, and most of them are build a star, where, like, you do, you start off, like, you're in a house, and you're, like, on top of a table, rolling up small pieces of food and, like, little erasers and stuff, and, like, the people just tower over you, they're, like, monoliths that you have to roll around in a way that, like, evokes Shadow of the Colossus several years before that happened, um, yep. but then, like... By the time you're like building the moon, you don't you can't even tell what house you started in in level one because all houses are the same and you just roll them up without thinking about it. Uh, That's the thing I like, like the weird sense of disregard that you get the bigger you get, Um, which makes sense given that the prince is like careful about rolling all things up. And the king of all cosmos giant that he is, is willing to crash into stars and destroy them just because he got drunk one night. Uh, There's a there's this weird message of like like sense of self like the larger it gets the more disregard you have for other things which uh mm-hmm. i don't know like it it feels uh both universal and extremely relevant and it, it's good i like it a lot yeah uh we've been doing a bunch of like not to get all uh or tour theory or whatever but we've been doing a bunch of like looking at keita takahashi interviews because they're so rare but they're all so interesting and um are like reads on the way this game uh takes the idea of what is very video game concept which is you level up like you get bigger you become more powerful as you do things but in katamari even though that is the goal of the level and it makes it fun to become bigger all the time it is so clearly not about being the biggest thing it is so clearly about the like moment to moment looking at the world with this weird perspective of rolling everything up uh and you lose that perspective when you're like so disconnected from the world that all of it is just beneath you and you've rolled up everything uh like the, the best katamari um the, the, like there are, there are multiple different katamaris it's the first one where you're tiny and everything's uh, uh towering over you mm-hmm. and then i think the next kind of segment is when you're almost people size and just rolling up the things in the world next to people who aren't really reacting to you which is always hilarious and then there's just big enough to roll up people, uh, which is one of my favorite Katamaris, where you are still like not big enough to roll up houses, but you are going down the street 
like you're going down a very recognizable place that you can't make unrecognizable with your presence but disrupting it in a way that is always hilarious and then there's uh houses katamari then there's cities katamari and then there's just rolling up entire uh you know continents katamari which you only get a very small taste of because it's unsustainable yeah because you roll everything up and it's just it the the exponential growth of once you get big enough you will just get so much bigger and it's so unsatisfying it's it's so good and i have to assume it's like on purpose because of the way the game is so much more interested in just the minutiae of this japanese town Mm -hmm. and how (laughs) strange it is to interact with it from the perspective of this bull um and then aside from that there are the constellation levels where you're like building a specific constellation so uh it's like um gather all of these fish to form Pisces. Uh, and so you're just rolling around like the seaside part of town and you just want to collect as many fish as you can within the time limit and like size doesn't matter. But then there's the the strange levels like the uh, Taurus one where it's like roll up a single cow and the game does not tell you that anything with a cow on it also counts as a cow. So the first thing you do is roll up a teeny tiny milk jug with a cow on it and it immediately ends the level and you have the tiniest katamari with one object and the king is very unhappy. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. It's like those two levels are the one time that the game pulls this actual... Like, it's always irreverent and strange with the way it throws these requests with you through the king, but that's the fir- the only time it really just trolls you outright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it comes out of nowhere, and it's great. It's it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it just the weird delight of Katamari is, like, really specific um, to the point where there are... There are seven sequels across various devices and consoles uh, in the intervening years, but at some level, they've never stopped being this exact same game. Uh, Jackson, you kind of went down the rabbit hole of two Katamari sequels, at least. Yes, I played We Love Katamari, which was the 2005 in Japan, but 2006 everywhere else. Uh, This came to uh, Europe because by then they realized they were wrong, Yep, which is why I have a PS2 disc of it now Mm -hmm. just sitting in this room. Because uh, that isn't on PSN anywhere. And uh, that game is directed by Keir Takahashi and the original team. And it is very strange in its uh, framing device, which is all about the King of All Cosmos, after the release of the game Katamari Damacy, has become famous. And not and not in a sense of, like, the video game Katamari is a fiction and... Uh, like, it doesn't pull that thing where you, like, pull out to the real world after the video, like, meta, you know, that doesn't do that. It just accepts that both the video game Katamari and the fact that the video game Katamari came out, both of those things are true at once, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a very Katamari approach uh, to, like, the universe. Um, and there's no goal other than we only rolled up stuff around Earth. The rest of the universe is still all messed up. That's good. Um, like, so they rolled up enough stuff around Earth that everyone on Earth thinks the King of All Cosmos is the greatest, uh, like, creature to ever exist. But um, the rest of the universe is still completely fucked. This is, the, <laughs> this is the game where, like, people are, like, sitting on the King of All Cosmos' head, right? Yes. So the the framing structure of, like, the levels is you are in something called like select meadow and you walk around multiple screens and you run into someone who's got a speech bubble and they they say hello my son um will not tidy his room help me tidy his room and the king of cosmos will go uh 
Like, why does this? Why is he, his room still messy? We tidied it up once. What is happening? It's probably bad parenting. Surely they should be uh, teaching this kid better. And then the, there's always a line from the person giving the request, like, "I love you, King of the Cosmos." And then he goes, "Love me." Yes, we must clean this room at once. <laughs> <laughs> I never said it was bad parenting. <laughs> Uh, and then you do the request, and then as you complete the request, the King of the Cosmos berates you for it being too small, unless it's like actually massive, because uh, the like actually a- accomplishing the request of uh, performing to the King of the Cosmos standards is unreasonable every time. Yeah. Uh, but now the other person who is the King of the Cosmos's best friend for the- that mission joins in berating you. <laughs> He's like, I, they go, I thought you were getting me a Katamari. And then the King of All Cosmos says, I know, he's useless, isn't he? And then they share a laugh at you. And then they just say, I guess we'll use it for this now. You can have it, King. Great. That's so good. <laughs> uh, uh, so you just get these really delightful interactions with the King and his fans uh, uh, offering like beautiful new ways to berate um, the Prince of All Cosmos. Uh, the framing story there, the like cutaways are to the origin of the King of the Cosmos, which starts out with him as a child, like getting second place and being beat up by his father. Uh, so here's my question: I played this game, but only when it was new, and I've forgotten most of it. Does is yes. the is the King of the Cosmos print size when he's young? Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, he he's never that young in the game. Okay. But he is like. He is definitely Prince size. He looks like the prince when he's young, and then he becomes a teenager, and then he like cuts his pompadour off. Uh, <laughs> that is a that is a plot point in the game. And then, so I, does the first Katamari game have loading screens? Like not not the inter level loading screens, but when you get into a new area, does it have a loading moment? I don't know if it's just on the PS3 that it's fast enough that it doesn't do that. No, there's just there's just uh, the king being like putting objects on Earth. There's like the floating king head, and there's like a little text box. It's very reminiscent of the loading screens of Nobi Nobi Boy. Yeah. So in We Love Katamari, obviously you have the uh, opening level thing which actually has a weird moving the king's head and letters coming out of him but the loading screens in the level are when you open up when you get big enough to get to a new area it has to pause to lows hmm. poured to lows <laughs> pause to load and every time the king will say like oh finally a chance to talk i miss like we'll then wistfully talk about how being big is bad and how he is like missed everything and how he misses when he was a child you know uh and you'll have these discussions with the king, which are always great because it doesn't try to do the thing where, like, you are now absolving the king of being this dick. It's not like, oh, the king is secretly hurt too. Because the end of the story is just, oh, the dad dies, he becomes the king, and the king happens. Like, there's no actual gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it spends all that time going like, oh, here's how the king, like, he was uh, berated by his dad for always coming last. And then he wanted to, like, uh, get with the queen, but the, the dad... Um, wouldn't let him. But then the dad dies and he becomes the king and he's the best. <laughs> and that's the ending. And like the final cutscene is the prince being born and like him and the queen arriving out of hills and throwing the prince in the air and catching him and then falling back down like a storybook uh, multiple times from multiple angles. It's fucking great. Uh, it's a good game. It introduces a lot more mechanics to it which is the thing that they were, like, really resistant to. Yeah, uh, um, the, it, it is joked that, uh, like, in interviews or whatever, uh, Namco has said that uh, Keita Takashi was uh, proactively avoidant of taking advice 
from Namco, yep. which basically sounds like he was not returning their calls because they didn't want them to mess up his game. Yeah, no, he was like, we are we are cheap enough that if we just do this and it sells, they will leave us alone. And he was right for a while. Yep. <laughs> um, before we talk about uh, Beautiful, that's the one, right? Yes. It's worth noting, uh, Kira Takahashi, uh, I think We Love was the only other one he worked on, right? Yes, Okay. It was. And he then he, um, even at the time he was getting interviews, he's like, in 10 years, I don't really see myself making games anymore. And so he made, uh, he made Nobi Nobi Boy before he left Namco, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, he didn't leave Namco until twenty. Yeah, yeah. So he made a game called Nobi Nobi Boy, and we'll talk about this briefly because I don't think we'll ever get a chance to talk about it outside of this context. Uh, it is a PS3 mm-hmm. game. You play as Boy, and it's like this little snake guy with a very Katamari esque face. Uh, and uh, you use the joysticks to control the butt and the head, and it's like a worm snake, and he can like spread apart and shrink down, and you just eat things. You're on like these. Uh, like plateau levels and you go around you eat things like eat people and objects and you can poop them out and sometimes they poop out into combinations where like if you eat a banana and eat a person the person might have a banana head when you poop it out and it is the most toy ass video game that i could ever imagine uh it's very delightful it's very good i recommend it if you have a ps3 um but it was like a game that was not very well received like uh there's a very good giant bomb video about them playing it where they're very into the game as like a weird like experiment thing um i don't know how much they played outside of that video and i don't know how much most people played like i love that game but i still haven't played more than maybe like two or three hours ever of nobi nobi boy but uh at that point uh keita takashi left namco and he's like i'm gonna go design uh playground equipment and uh went to do that and then realized that nobody has the budget for like boutique designed playground equipment um because he like got contracted to build one in the uk somewhere Nottingham. yeah and yeah. then like the interview is like oh the uk is in a recession i don't know if we're ever going to get this done and it was never done uh which is a real bummer yeah. <laughs> um Keita takahashi's life through these interviews like just paints him as this really uh like beautifully optimistic and tragically shot down constantly like person who believes in like the opportunities of play and but is so his life has been so like trying to do that in a world ruled by like the worst kind of capitalism mm. and all of his interviews are like capitalism is awful it's bad like if we are relying on market values to like drive our what is essentially our industries of play we are doomed as a culture and then like the questions of like games or whatever uh, like he'll say something like um this uh, the console race is dumb. This kind of technology thing is stupid. We need one console that everyone can play if we're going to have games at all because otherwise it's inaccessible. And then GameSpot responds with, okay, which console should be the one? Yep. Uh, <laughs> and this is all worth mentioning only in the context of while Kira Takahashi was like, oh, two Katamari games is probably uh, enough. I'm never going to make another one. Namco, who owned uh, Katamari, went on to make six more. And would probably still be making them if uh, video games were things that were made in 2017, but they're not. So uh, a Katamari game out, Katamari game came out last year. Mm. It was a Tapper game. I know. It was a clicker. I know. <laughs> um, and so you played one of these later uh, Kataless Katamari games, Beautiful Katamari, which is the 360 game, right? Yes. Yes. I played a little bit of this uh, when it first came out and thought it was a huge bummer. Please tell me, is it still a huge bummer? 
It's fine. It's like the thing is the the thing that they did do was not change anything about Katamari. Like it's still Katamari. You still roll up the stuff. Uh, it's definitely worse. They made a bunch of changes to the way environments work when you're small. When you go inside houses now, it cuts to black and then loads up the house inside. It's not one continuous environment at that level. Uh, it becomes a continuous environment when you get big enough and the changes are like going over the gates. But going inside buildings is now a separate like load. That's a real which bummer. Is weird. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's a, like, I think that it, like, once you do that, what are you doing? Um, and one of the changes is because it's on the 360 now, they can fill the world with so much more stuff. You get bigger so quickly because instead of having, like, one pencil, it's a whole box of individual pencils right next to a whole box of individual coloring pencils right next, like, the clutter is so much higher because they have the budget to animate it and they have, a like, memory on a console that can handle more objects, and they use all of that, which just changes the pace of early Katamari in the way that makes it very much a, like, less satisfying, um, oh, less satisfying is the wrong word, because it's actually super satisfying to roll up everything, but, uh, less meaningful game, it doesn't, it's just rolling up things is fun and we have made you do that forever. Uh, even the weirdness of it feels uninspired. Um, yeah, I remember, thinking, I, I remember really... thinking it felt like someone who didn't understand what made Katamari really special tried to replicate all the aesthetic considerations and it just yes. left it really soulless. Yeah, and like the the, the prince's the, the king's dialogue doesn't have any of the nuance of the earlier games. It's just the king is mean to you. Like, it is the bullet point, this is what Katamari is of Katamari. I hear good things about the PS3 one. Um, the PS3 one is, like, a greatest hits of the first couple Katamaris, right? Yes, but I, I hear, like, good things about the framing story. There's, like, a new king who... Like, the king's uh, asleep and you have to... Like, he's in a coma and you have to wake him up, but there's, like, a robo-king who doubts himself... Uh, like, I hear things about that game that make it sound like it maybe does things okay. and has, a, like, at least a... Um, goals of its own because beautiful katamari is just we made katamari one again it's we destroyed the planets and you have to make the planets there's no like thrust to it uh and without the um intentional kind of uh framing of the other games it just feels really empty even though i'm enjoy like i still recommend it as a game to play once you are out of the other katamaris if you want more rolling up like it's got some more rolling up like it's on some level, I will take more levels where I roll up stuff. You know, it's fine. Um, I don't think it is... Like, I think it represents something really bad that that becomes an annual video game sequel, whatever. But I'll take it over, you know, to shoot Man 5000. I, I could still... There's still a core there that I appreciate, but it's definitely a bummer about that. That's the only option and the only way video games get to, like, survive as long-running series. Mm. Um. Uh, and it also does a thing where... So, in Wheel of Katamari, there were mechanic levels, but they were all specific, right? They all had one goal. Um, it would come up and say, you need to uh, roll up 200 flowers, and you would roll up 200 flowers. In Beautiful Katamari, they make it so that there's, like, sub-goals, which is really bad. So you'll load up a level, and he'll say, we need to make... Um, oh, I don't... I don't know, like, this might be the wrong thing, but he'll say, we need to make uh, Jupiter. Jupiter is an expensive planet, or maybe Venus is the expensive planet. I don't know. But anyway, he'll be, they'll say, you need to roll up as many expensive things as possible. And when this level happened before, it would give you a, like, dollar sign counter, and you would roll up things, and that would uh, that's how We Love Katamari did it. It was great. Yeah, I remember In those this, levels. It, 
In this, it just gives you the size indicator, and the expensive thing is just like a secondary goal that he checks you on at the end. There's no way to bounce uh, to, to like monitor it. You're still trying to play a regular Katamari level, so it just becomes a thing you ignore, and another reason for him to berate you for not like doing it. And it just adds to... like. When I'm trying to consider, okay, I have to be this big this time, but also I want to be mostly expensive items, but I don't really know where they are. Like, it's... I don't want to be thinking that much. I want to be appreciating the nuances of this tiny little town. I want to be rolling in the river and then going, oh, these people are massive, and then rolling them up, and I want to be rolling up that bridge. Like, it just loses that, and it's really sad. Uh, but that this is the Katamari take. I am the Katamari expert, apparently. But that's as far as I went. I did. I was going to load up forever, and then remembered it was a Greatest Hits, and also that I'd played three Katamari games in a week, and immediately turned off the console. Yep. Uh, I think that about does it. Uh, we have a couple questions about Katamari we'll address in the next segment, but... Uh, we do. Any final thoughts before we move on to segment four, Jackson? I hope Watam is good. Yeah, I know. So Kita Takashi has a game that's in development called Watam, um, that's a PS4 game, uh, cause, uh, making playgrounds did not work out for that poor man. Um, uh, you follow up on Twitter. He mostly talks about toys and like board games that his kids are into. And it's very cute. Uh, his interests are wide ranging and very interesting. Um, but it's like, it seems like it's like a game about being a mayor, but it seems like it's going to be more, uh, nobody, nobody boy ask where it's like interacting with characters and weird goofy stuff happens more than it is like mm-hmm. a game about very strict mechanics. Uh, it's hard to know because there's not much like ac- there's like no actual gameplay. There's just like descriptions and some uh, early like uh, trailers uh, that are very highly scripted. But uh, here's looking forward to it if it ever actually comes out. Yep. Uh, my one final thought is actually on Nobi Nobi Boy and an interview he did, which is uh, everyone often asks him uh, why like why he wants to do these experimental games and he always goes like there's not that experimental you move a character around and interact in certain ways like sometimes they don't have concrete goals but it's not like he's so annoyed that people pigeonhole this as something weird for weirdness's sake when it's just not you know very obvious ideas of what is selling in game design yep uh and i i applaud him for like pushing back on it every time that poor man (laughs) yeah no, uh, don't be Keita Takahashi. Don't work in video games. That's the actual takeaway from this delightful game that everyone should play. <laughs> yeah. Huh.
final segment, as always, is questions. If you have questions, you can send them to the podcast at moralmapping.com, or you can add us on Twitter. You know our Twitter handles. If you don't, they'll be at the end of this after we talk about these questions. Jackson, we have three questions today? We do. Please ask the questions. Uh, at Bunny Cartoon on Twitter asks, what are our favorite tracks from the OST of Katamari? This is. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, almost all of them. It's one of those games it's where such a good it's one of those games where we had to argue about what tracks we were going to include because, like, my favorite track is one you don't particularly care for, and the track you really insisted on is one I don't particularly care for. But all of the songs are pretty good. Um, well, it, it's less that I don't particularly care for it. It's more that they both actually feel the same. Like they're both takes on the same kind of piano jams, uh, <laughs> and we just settled on a different one. Yep. So you're getting both of them because we couldn't uh, we couldn't settle. But uh, yeah, um, so I like K Sarah Sarah. It's like what my favorite track outside of Katamari on the Rocks. And you picked, do you remember the name of that song you picked? Nope. Uh, let me look up. I no, I've already grabbed the music. Let me look it up. Uh, it is called Katamari Mambo. Uh, yes, Katamari Mambo is great. It's been in my head the entire time. Yep. Like when I think of that game, I think of the chorus of that song. And uh, we, we ended up not being able to fit in actually one of the best songs of uh, in this game. Uh, do you remember what that one's called off the top of your head? A Katamari Rolling Star? Yes. It's Lonely Rolling Star, right? Yeah. Lonely that's, Rolling yeah. Star. Um, which we'll probably include in our uh, next Rolling big music Star. episode because it didn't make it here. Uh, but it's always good. I assume the Katamari soundtracks remain good, even in, like, Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful is a lot less good, but oh, yes. Okay. But uh, We Love is probably great, right? We Love is fucking choice. It's all, like, rearrangements of uh, Katamari on the Rocks. Uh, the, the big song is Katamari on the Swing. Okay. Uh, which is oh, it's so good. Um, the opening is like a rock jam of the Capramari, um like fanfare. It's like twelve seconds long. Um, it's it's just yeah no the, the soundtracks remain good. There's a there's one track which is like a montage remix of all the big tracks from uh, the first game. So you've got uh, Katamari, you've got Lonely Rolling Star, you've got uh, Mambo, and you've got K Sarah Sarah, and they're all in this is like person humming them tune that's all mixed together. Uh, it's a very good soundtrack. Um, beautiful Katamari I couldn't like there are tracks there's a couple I remember I remember the title track because I'd like that's I remember from being younger as well but as a whole that's much uh, like it becomes less recognizable I'll see I'm excited to play forever in like four months when I'm like well let's remember Katamari yep um, and then I'll see that uh, oh uh, another track because I um, apparently just gonna list every track from the first game the uh, whatever it's called the one that plays on the um on the select screen, like the guitar jam. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that one. Uh, but it's also really good. It builds, to, like, it starts out with this really chill song and then builds to this incredible climax. Yep. What a good soundtrack. Uh, next question. Okay, second Katamari question. What were some things that you didn't like about Katamari? So, when we got this, this question... Is from, okay. This is from Sid at, at Polyjester. When we, when, we, uh, when we asked this question, when we got this question, I was like, oh, we're going to talk about that. And then we ended up not talking about that in segment three. So, um, the thing... So, the one thing that I don't like about... And this is something you've actually expressed a lot of... Uh, like, you, you actually like this. Is there's a point in mid-tier Katamari where you get too big to navigate streets very easily. So, like, you'll be like... 
I need to go to the market, but you're too big and awkward to go into the market, like, because the sidewalks are too small. And so you're just, you're just, like, bumping off of buildings that you can't pick up yet. And, like, at some point, you're actually, like, squeezed out of that area until you're big enough to actually just pick it all up in one swoop. Um, and I find that, like, awkward middle stage of, like, I'm a slightly too large Katamari but can't pick up everything yet really frustrating. Um, and I know that's on purpose, and so it's not, like, a thing that, like bothers me and i wish wasn't in there but it's always very uncomfortable and like it's designed uncomfortable but i still feel that way about it mm-hmm. yeah no i love the discomfort i love the space between these spaces are irrelevant and these spaces are like for me um it's it's just a really good uh moment of katamari of becoming big the uh the katamari of amigara fault these spaces are for me hmm that's all you get <laughs> that's what you get there no, what if what if the prince had to roll through a junji ito hellscape what if that was the thing i mean it, i assume it's more of that for the humans like i guess that's imagine, true i guess a jun- that's like true. A, a junji ito story about a bull that just keeps getting bigger and no one knows what it is and no one is paying attention to it but it keeps getting bigger and eventually we all become the bull yeah. the bull is our Home. Like, it's totally from the other perspective is already that. I'm ready to be rolled up in a Katamari. I don't even care. They're so happy to be rolled yeah, up in a no, Katamari. I'd be happy too. It's just bliss. You're just rolling forever. Because no one, like, dies. It's just, like, the, the place you belong, right? Like, yeah. it has to be. Yep. It's totally some cosmic horror shit, but played as from the perspective of the people enacting the horror. Turns out when you understand the horror, it's just uh, pure and exactly what has to happen. Um, the other thing I really hate is the boost that you have to like push the sticks Fucking back and forth really man. fast to boost up. It's always bad. I never like to use it. So the boost is bad. The boost is also the only way for you to like get to the point where the King of Cosmos doesn't berate you. Like if you were to play that game, like, I have, I have I completed like... levels and gotten complimented and not used the, I never use the boost. How have you done that? Well, at Katamari, I'm good at rolling things up. Apparently. I was good by the end. I guess I was by the end of the... I am a like, sharp judge of uh, of size relative to other objects. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I mean, I think it's more about like learning your roots through the levels. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you go here, and then I'll be big enough to go here. Because you want to be hitting every level at the exact point where you are just big enough to roll it up to get the maximum boost from rolling it up. Katamari Tactics. Yep. And uh, did you have a okay. thing you hated, or did you want to move on to the next question? Um, uh, the boost yeah, is the boost one. Is the, the boost and the, the big the alarm. The fucking alarm. <laughs> like, the alarm is bad, but I wouldn't want it not there. The alarm is mixed way down in A Beautiful Katamari. Uh, that's a bummer, because the fact that it is, like, piercing and incessant is part of the, like, it's a very <sighs> annoying, but it's kind of hilarious that it's so annoying. Also, uh, I hate the timer. I hate the way the timer expresses time to you in the most confusing way possible. No, fair enough. It's like one circle. When you think the circle is... Oh. Mm. And we have, we have one final question. We have one final question from our friend April. <laughs> who asks, Can you talk about how Ninja Gaiden relates to Dark Souls? Because I've been playing Ninja Gaiden uh, on our... YouTube channel. And you're a Dark Souls expert. You've made it halfway through the Undeadberg. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, you have played exponentially more Dark Souls than I have. I've just watched people play it four times. 
I watched myself. Um, I watched a clip of me playing Bloodborne. Uh, my father Gascoigne fight. I was like, oh, Bloodborne's pretty. Bloodborne's pretty good. Bloodborne's Maybe very good. Maybe I'll. But then I'll play it and be like, fucking the Bloodstar beast is awful. I hate all things. Uh, but then I'll look at it and remember it and be like, oh, Bloodborne's pretty good. Yep. But anyway, uh, it doesn't. <laughs> They're both they're both character action games, but like so different that they're like you could not compare the two outside of you are a character in third person that swings a weapon. Like that's why Neo is so hilarious to me as a thing, and everyone's like, "Yeah, Ninja Gaiden and Dark Souls, perfect match." Like, no, no, nope. <laughs> it's like Ninja Gaiden is all about um, being able to move instantly. Like, there's very little animation priority. There is when you get some of the bigger weapons. Like, some of the bigger weapons do have that. But usually it's, okay, uh, I see a thing, I twitch away, I move back, I charge up. Like, it's all about twitch movement and, uh, like, memorizing combat in that way. It's all very fast and very reactive. Yeah. Uh, Dark Souls is not a reactive game. No, Dark Souls is built out of, like, the context of uh, Monster Hunter being super popular, where every weapon is really slow, and like, you have to commit to the things. You're, like, even the fast weapons are much slower than the slowest weapon in Ninja Gaiden. Uh, That's not true. No, I know, but it's it's not that far <laughs> off from being true. The slow weapons get pretty slow. Did you try the Dabalaro? Okay, fair enough, but... Uh, like just your basic sword in that game is like lightning fast relative to default yes. weapons in uh, Bloodborne or uh, even like Dark Souls especially, but even Bloodborne, which is a faster game. Uh, you just have you have to commit to things. Everything you can't like break your animations once you're into them, and it's about like understanding how to use those attacks. And like I can only do two attacks, and I need to roll out of the way, otherwise I'm going to get destroyed. Which is some of what Ninja Gaiden has, but Ninja Gaiden is so much more mobile and so much more about like climbing up on walls and flipping around and doing the ninja stuff. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. I don't know. You can't really compare them that much. I think it's more interesting to compare the things in between than those two, but cause they're kind of sit on very opposite ends of the spectrum. Yep. I would agree. Um, and then that's it. That's all for questions. Um, next month we are playing the last PlayStation Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Nine, which uh, all of us are uh, already playing. I say all of us because Destiny is going to be joining us once again. Destiny, say hello. Hello. Destiny has been here uh, this entire time, very quiet <laughs> in the background because this is a Skype <laughs> podcast and it wouldn't work, but she is uh, hanging out with me today uh, as we're recording. But um, she's been very polite. Um, and uh, yeah, we're uh, going to play Nine. I'm very excited. I'm two discs through that game now and very uh, glad to talk about it yep um so that'll be it um you can find please come back next time for our takes on the adventures of zadongle uh yep sure uh, <laughs> uh you can find us as always at abnormalmapping.com and check out our youtube channel i'm putting up sam and max save the world jackson is putting up ninja gaiden uh my stuff goes up monday Wednesday, friday ninja gaiden goes up tuesday thursday they're all very good Outside of that, you can find us on Twitter. Jackson, where are you on Twitter? I am at headfullsoff on twitter.com. And I am at em underscore being. Uh, that's it. Go home, play some video games, roll up a Katamari, pray that you do not become the ball.
keep on feel so good. Ha! Yeah. 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 Yeah.